Hello, I'm David. And I'm Sanibel. And this is The, the Charcuterie, Charcuterie Board. Board, where we meet once a week and talk about whatever, whatever we, we want. want. Hello, David. Hello, Sanibel. How's your mental health tonight, David? Tonight it's going pretty well, actually. How's yours? I know. <laughs> mine too. I'm actually, well, before I you got had here, a little bit of an I had earlier. a little bit of a bumpy road to get here, <laughs> but I'm here and that's all that matters. And I'm with you. And we're going to talk tonight about mental health, mm. which is a really interesting topic. But before we get into that, what are you drinking? I have to pour my glass, actually, but I am drinking a red wine. Surprise. I'm shaking it up. Very I'm having nice. a Cabernet Sauvignon. As opposed to your typical Pinot, Pinot Grigio. Grigio. Mm -hmm. And guys, <laughs> stay seated because I'm actually not drinking wine tonight. I'm drinking a truly raspberry lime. Oh, do you guys hear that, by the way? It's thunderstorming outside. Yeah, it's raining. It's, it's a tropical good. depression here. Yeah, so if you hear that, it's just the soothing sounds of Miami rain. Yeah. It's fine. So yeah, I'm actually gonna pour my truly into my wine glass. And then I <laughs> like a trash person, I love it. <laughs> and then I'm gonna pour my cab into my wine glass. I'm just watching my figure. Oh, do you hear that? That sounds so that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's ASMR for you guys. <laughs> wow, that was great. I can't wait to listen to that later. Cheers. All right. We're really setting a mood here. And a precedent. That's nice. You wow. know what actually tastes better out of a glass? I'm not going to lie. I mean, instead of the aluminum, I, yeah, I I'm would assume in, so. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. All right. Well, so <laughs> the reason we're here tonight is to talk about mental health. Yes. Which is an episode that we've been anticipating. We really, I, I have a lot to say. And yeah. I think you have a lot to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's just get right into it. And I, I'm going to go ahead and just make the first notice that mm. my perspective is going to be very much more medical than anything else, just because I'm actually side note, I'm a nursing student. I'm in nursing school right now. And it just so happens that as we were deciding to record this episode, we're covering psychological disorders in my classes. And I thought there was a lot of information that people could really enjoy and use to their advantage that maybe you hadn't considered before, because I know that we have been, our generation is really great in the sense that we have had access to a lot of platforms to have a lot of conversations that haven't necessarily been had before. Um, we were previously talking before we started the episode that, you know, this generation has had access to social media, which yep. our parents didn't have. Um, that wasn't really a thing. I mean, I don't know what the equivalent was back like in the 90s, but people didn't really have let alone cell phones. She's like, that was like a, you had a cell phone for work, You're, maybe, yeah, or that you were rich. rich. Yeah, he had a car phone. You know, yeah. the oh, big thing was the car phone. But you didn't really have this like free platform where you could anonymously talk about your thoughts, your feelings, and just put them out into the ether and just see what other people responded. Now so, you can have that in an instant with Twitter. In an instant, it's really cool. It's that's in a whole other conversation. Yeah. Social media is a whole <laughs> oh, other conversation. Oh, that's a good one. Social media. We yeah, that. we're definitely going to talk about that at one point, but. Um, to kind of bring it back to the point, we have experienced this kind of like awakening of mental health and people are realizing how important it is to be aware of your mental health and be aware of, you know, the traumas or the things that you may be going through and how you can address them to better your life, to better your quality of life. Because when you're not happy, you know, everything is just, it doesn't matter what position you are. If you're doing really well financially or you have a great relationship, but you still have, if you have these mental health issues, it can be a huge toll on your existence. So to kind of backpedal a little bit, mm. um, 
again, from the nursing and the medical perspective, what's really interesting is that there are a lot of mental health illnesses that I don't think people realize that you can fall into really easily yeah. and that there are a lot of diagnoses and a lot of this stuff kind of goes throughout your throughout your adolescence and the beginning of, of your life undiagnosed. One thing I was mentioning to you that I thought was really, really just like eye-opening is that 50% of all chronic mental illnesses begin before four, the age of 14. So they start they start in the age of 14. So when mm. you think about when you're 14, I mean, how like what, what grade are you in? You're like in middle school or beginning that's, high school? Uh, yeah, like eighth grade, I think. Yeah, right? like eighth grade. So that's when things start. And, you, and it's kind of funny it's because- It's a transition period. Too, it is a transition you're like period. Going through puberty. You've already started. Yeah. You've gone through a lot of puberty, but it, obviously you're still going through it. And then you're transitioning to a new environment where you're no longer the oldest person at your school. Yep. You're now the youngest person at your school. Yep. So it's a lot of stuff on like already on the side of like family stuff and yeah. maybe finding you out don't who know you are, exactly learning like, your identity, trying to carve out your your persona and coming who out you're gonna if you're be yeah, exactly you know. identifying your sexual orientation, mm -hmm. figuring out who you are as a person. And you think about it and the, that stress can really bring about a lot of things that are underlying that you never even realize. Cause you go through a lot as a kid and you absorb a lot as a kid. You're like kind of a blank slate as a child and things happen to you. I don't know. I have very specific memories from being a child. Same. It's really weird. Like that the are strange little tidbits. And they're very vivid. That I remember that will not leave my head. Mm -hmm. Like I remember this one that it has nothing to do with anything. It was just like, it was kind of ish a pivotal point for mm -hmm. me, I think, because um, at the time I was I was like elementary school going into middle whatever. Mm -hmm. I told my mom I was like I need a bigger bed because like my feet are almost hanging off the bed. Oh my god, you were growing. But and then my mom's friend was over. She's like and she's like, how like where do you put your head on the pillow? And I was like here, and it was like the bottom of the pillow. She's like, the thing that I remember her <laughs> saying was that there are certain points in life where you have to put your head farther up on the pillow because you are growing. And I was like, and that stuck oh. with you. And that stuck with me. So it's such a random I, I don't know and why. I, I guarantee you, if you go to that person, they will not, she will not remember, remember no, that. No, of course not. That They're was like, what the actual fuck are you talking about? Ago? Yeah, but there are certain things that when you're a kid, they traumatize you in a sense, not in a, it can be, a, you yeah, know, just, a, just an imprint on your memory. Yeah. And you have this like underlying thing and then you carry that. And then later on in life, things develop from it. And yeah. sometimes they're positive. I mean, that's kind of a cool thing yeah, to Yeah, I was learn. like, oh shit. So you know what? I lasted a few more years on the twin. And then I you know, you had growing pains and I couldn't survive on the twin anymore. So. For other people, it might be a <laughs> negative experience. It might I, yeah. be like one bad experience that, you know, just completely changed them as a person. Mm -hmm. But you don't realize it because when kids are extremely impressionable. So you're going through a really like, but you're blank slate. You're really absorbing everything that's being given to you. Mm -hmm. So once you move past that like childhood phase and now you're moving into this adolescence phase, half of people who have experienced whatever, maybe they've experienced severe trauma are starting to develop these signs of chronic mental illnesses. But what's crazier to me is that by age 24, over 75% of people are or that have mental illnesses right, right. will be experiencing full-blown symptoms. So what does that mean? That means 24. in the twenty, in your 20s, which is an extremely stressful point, mm -hmm. and I think in anybody's life, that is really the point where, okay, you, you kind of know who you are. For a lot of people, that's like, what, right after college? Yes, or even during college. Like, yeah, you're, depending. you know, yeah. you turn 18, you go to college, maybe take a year off, maybe you're 19, and then you're 20, 21. Mm -hmm. These, like, very formative years are occurring in college, and college is stressful as it is. Maybe you don't go to college, but these are years that you're really deciding, like, how the rest of your life is going to look like. Yeah. You already kind of know who you are as a person, but now you're deciding how, what's my, 
next 50 years going to look like. Yeah. Or decided pretty much in your 20s. So that is where a or lot at least of... so you think. Right, yeah. right. I mean, in your mind, you're yeah. thinking that this is the decision. This is how it's going to be for the rest of my life. This is going to affect everything. Correct. And it's like you really, it's a, it's a heavy burden. Take a chill pill yeah. and just like go with it. But we don't know that at 24, yes. we're dumb. Yes. We're like, oh, we have to make all these concrete decisions now. Yeah. Well, you consider to be concrete decisions. Exactly. I mean, you it's can like you can change your life at any age yeah. you want to. But the point is, is that you take these extremely stressful situations and then you incorporate the fact that you may have some kind of underlying genetic predisposition to have mm -hmm. mental illness, or maybe you had some kind of traumatic event that makes you a little bit more um, likely to develop a, a mental illness. Mm -hmm. You combine that with the stress of your twenties and bam, by, by age 24, 75, <laughs> yeah, 75 percent or more of people are like, you're expressing significant symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that's where we kind of come back to the idea about social media. <sighs> Which generation yeah. is really out there right now with social media? It's, it's the, the millennials. Gen Z, yeah. yeah. Gen Z came, they're experiencing Gen it right Z now. Gen Z was like, born into it though yes we we, we went from not nothing to, to everything yeah. so we really were the first ones to be like guys are you experiencing this anxiety are you feeling this depression i'm so sad today or i'm so out of the loop today i don't i don't feel like myself mm -hmm. today and there's somebody who can answer when you put that out there so us going through our 20s having the access to open up these conversations and experiencing these symptoms, these people who are, are actually having these mental illnesses, that's why there's been more conversation about it. And that's why there's more of a taboo that's been lifted. So, you know, the taboo is no longer there. And, or for the most part, it's been lifted. Yeah. There are some people who still have issues with talking about it. And as you mentioned before, it's usually family members, people yeah, who it's, just haven't. it's, you know, like the... Okay. A lot of times it's like the father figures in the family yeah. or like the or grandpas the and the uncles. Even the mothers. You yeah. know, it, it can be either it one. Depends. It yeah. just depends on the person and their background, their upbringing. But I think it really takes understanding like how these psychiatric disorders begin, the mm -hmm. inception of them and the development of them for you to understand that it's not always the person. Like, because I think what happens is they blame themselves. The parents are like, oh, my God, maybe it's, it's my, my fault. fault. Something I did in the raising of them, like, which them to, could it happen. Could happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You could have been the reason, but if you feel like guilty about it, then you're most likely not the reason because people who cause trauma to their children usually don't, really give don't give a shit yeah. about it. So if you care, like, ah, well, they've always been fucked up. So, exactly. Yeah. If you really care about your kid and you're feeling that guilty, more likely than not, you may have done something that you didn't realize could have traumatized yeah. them. Something that they interpreted was tra traumatized them, but maybe you're not fully responsible for it. But that's something that I kind of want to get into, which is that, you know, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that psychiatric disorders are caused by multiple different things. So it can be obviously environmental con conditions, mm. but it can also be biologic. We don't really think about the genetic, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the genetic factor behind psychological issues. And it's a combination of genetics, um, possible brain injuries, which people don't talk about very mm. often. If you have a child that maybe participated in a lot of sports or had some kind of significant <laughs> traumatic, I know, right, either. I actually never broke a bone until I was literally 22 years old. Oh, no, I was actually, I was in first grade when I broke oh. my first bone. Well, I, I was a very careful child. No. <laughs> I actually didn't learn to ride a bike until I was like 18. As a kid, I was pretty active. I like, yeah. Basketball. I was on a basketball team in Jersey. Look at you. I was on the volleyball team in middle <laughs> school here. Like Mr. Athlete. I was active. Yeah. And then I hit high school and I stopped. You're like, fuck that. But you know what? 
that's not the point. The point is, is that um, the there can be brain defects or injuries that occur oh, yeah. that can lead to mental illness. Football and players. you know what's funny? We talked about on our first episode, the um, we did a true crime episode, yeah. right? And yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. a murder. There are studies that suggest that frontal lobe damage, so damage to your frontal lobe, which is where you have like your sympathy, your empathy, mm-hmm. things like that, can actually lead people later on to have these tendencies to kill other people. There's a lot of association with some murders it, and frontal lobe. Is it because like they don't, they like pushing the boundaries to see how much they can feel? Or well, let's rather, say, like, let's, not feel? well, let's say they just don't feel it. They don't think and process things the same way. Uh-huh. They have like, whereas we would feel guilty and bad about hurting somebody. They wouldn't. They, wouldn't. they just don't feel that. What is that? Sociopath? Is, is that what it is? It can Or is that one so of the So you know that that term is now not really like it's not used too much. People don't really like using the term sociopath, but yes, you could say it's a sociopath because sociopaths sociopathic don't sociopathic tendencies. Sociopathic tendencies, yeah, where you just those are people who don't feel and emote the same way that normal people do. And they kind of mimic other people to try to get Yes. That's I mean, okay, so what are they are, do you I know don't, if, they, if they've replaced it with I don't know what term? they replaced it with. PC, there's some there's some really complicated diagnoses that go with it. I'm uh, sure there's like borderline personality disorder oh. or whatever it may be. But the term sociopath is not tech, not technically accepted anymore by the mental health community. But that's a whole other conversation. It's not super PC It's anymore. not super PC. <laughs> but yes, but yeah, stuff like that. So, I mean, those things can affect um, people and lead to mental illness. Poor nutrition, exposure to toxins, even abnormalities in fetal development. So there uh-huh, are things yeah. that could happen in the womb that could lead to possible mental illnesses and mental and neural disorders later on in life. Mm. But um, you know, if you want to talk about psychological factors or environmental factors, obviously loss of a parent early in life. Oh my god, yeah, huge impact. Neglect. Mm-hmm. environmental factors can be dysfunctional family dynamics <laughs> cultural expectations ah big one that's a very big one and substance abuse either witnessing well, substance abuse or participating in substance abuse at an early age all of these things can lead to traumatic experiences within a person's development that later come to a head as a mental illness and you don't have to you know it doesn't mean you're going to be a schizophrenic just because you had a no divorced family or something <laughs> but that's that's not what's gonna happen but they can worst case things, scenario worst case scenario <laughs> let's it's not i don't know we're laughing because it's not funny I know. Thing, but yeah this is just like a morbid you know conversation but it's because it's ridiculous it's a ridiculous you assumption, laugh it but you have to learn to laugh but uh but yeah but these are things that, that can possibly happen and it's really a combination of factors we haven't nailed it down there's no specific gene that has been identified for any of these things but we do know that there for example if your father or mother had some kind of depressive disorder mm-hmm. or there's a dis, you know some kind of mental illness in your grandma or something it can be carried down it may not be yeah. expressed in your sibling it may be expressed in just you and that just depends on what combination of environmental factors you went through plus right. the genetics that then lead to that I, for example, have a family member, um, generation before me, generation before me, mm-hmm. rather, um, found out later as I was already on, like I got started on antidepressants. They were like, oh, what are you on? And I was like, I'm on this. And they're like, oh, I used to take that. And I was like, that? I didn't know that. And my doctor <laughs> hinted at me because we have the same like PCP because mm-hmm. the family doctor, you know. Right. Um, and she, she couldn't say it, obviously, but she was like, you know. A lot of times this is hereditary. Yeah, yeah, and, and it she is. Like, like, hmm. like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was like, some of your family members for this. Yeah, yeah. she like didn't actually say, it, but I, I caught it later once that family member was like, 
oh yeah, I've taken that before. Like it, I liked this one. I didn't like this so much, but blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, fuck me sideways. All right. Now there you I, go. You know, so. there you go. So, so it's stuff that, you know, cultural expectations, we just brought that up, but like yeah. a lot, especially in Hispanic culture, mm. there's a lot of a, of a taboo in the sense that you don't want your family members to know that you have uh, like an uncontrolled emotional uh, problem because it male makes you or look female, weak. But especially with the guys, like, oh, don't cry in front worst. of anybody. Not toxic masculinity. Yeah, which will be on another episode. Ding, ding, baby. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, exactly. So you don't want your, your male children to have un- instability mentally because it makes them, it, you're perceived as weak, weak yeah. right? Or poor parenting, whatever it is that you want to mm. feel. But it's less about that and more about just, you know, the actual combination of factors that lead to stuff. Right. So obviously, you know, having significant trauma in your in your childhood, what's known as adverse childhood experiences, um, either neglect, physical or sexual abuse, those people, and there's a lot of statistics that show, are almost three times as likely to experience major depression by their early 30s. So if you have that oh, stuff yeah. and you're wondering why you feel the way you feel, honey, you have every reason. To I know. Do. That's completely warranted. Yes. So, you know, that being said, um, all of those experiences can lead to you feeling that that way. And it's just, it, it's something that, again, people kind of, you, you can either block it out or you have these very vivid memories and then they come out later in, 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 in adulthood. But it's more common than you think. And I think that's a big problem that people don't realize that's more common than you think. So some statistics, just throw them out there. One in five people in the United States suffer from a mental illness. One in five. So that means if you're in a room with five people, one of them either has some kind of mental illness or something that hasn't been diagnosed. Right. That's kind of scary that's... to think about. Scary in the sense that it's so prevalent. That no one's talking about. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, now some people, a lot of people are talking about it now, but like, yeah. good Lord, like but I'm sure that has been a factor there. since for decades. I mean, come on. It's very well documented in, in, throughout history. People have had mental illnesses yeah. and they just haven't been treated for it. But that, to my next point, of those, you know, one in five, only 42.6, so about 43% of those people actually received mental health services in the past year. And I know that you were a huge proponent of, Oh therapy. my God. Yes. yes. I... Go off girl. Go <laughs> off. When I moved down from Orlando, which was a little over a year now, um, I like my goal was like, as soon as I get down there, I had like already like a schedule of like three or four appointments with three or four different um, therapists. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to fucking go to therapy like every week for a good amount of time until I can get my head on straight, which was like part of the fact where I moved down. It's cause like, I need to move closer to my family. I wanted to get, just my head on straight. Was, yeah, you, know, you wanted to kind of decompress from everything that you experienced up there. And you want to come back home, reset. Recharge my batteries, Recharge. Man. Sometimes you need it. Yeah. And so I found, first try, first therapist down here. It's not my first ther- therapist I've ever gone to, but my first therapist here, here mm-hmm. um, that I found ended up being like who I've been seeing for a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gone to the point where we've done a lot of exercises and stuff. And I like, he says that if I don't, want to i don't really have to yeah. keep going which mm-hmm. technically you don't have to go yeah but i needed to go at the time like right. once a week i had to go every every single week mm-hmm. now and the then transition we, was yeah, a significant once, transition yeah but once um we did a lot of stuff and i was starting to feel a lot better you know i go through you know episodes here and there mm-hmm. but like i was feeling a lot better about it i was able to control 
um, certain, like if I was having a panic attack, I can, I know what brings it on now. I know my triggers. I know. I and that's half the battle. honey. I know. My God. Knowing also, your triggers. For reference, I've been having panic attacks since I was 18. I'm now 26. That's oh, a yeah, long 27, time. very soon. But, that's a long time. So, but the year, like my 18th year of living, I was going through panic attacks like almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, like clockwork, like every evening I was going through panic attacks, mm-hmm. like tunnel vision, hyperventilating, like I had to pull over so I could lay down on the side of the road. Did you ever identify what were the causes for that? At them? the time, I was very, I'm going to try to say this without sounding like, <laughs> um, but I was like too empathetic. Mm-hmm. Like I would see, even if it wasn't towards me, I would see that a person was like being, I don't know, negative in some way and you or would like absorb sad. It. I, immediately it would like yeah. trigger something that has and, to and I, would have, I would panic and I, until I was driving home and then I finally just let it out and start crying. And then I would just hyperventilate and then I got tunnel vision. I was like, I cannot drive like this. I'm going to like drive off the side of the road. So I like oh would pull over, go to the side of the road and just lay down and just go through it. And then I'd be perfectly fine afterwards. But it happened like every day for so long. That probably had to do something with you wanting to help those people in a way and feeling helpless for them. Like you were yeah. like, I understand you took your pain, whatever pain you were going through at that mm. time or whatever feelings you were going through, or you could at least like empathize with that helplessness and you wanted to do something for them because you understood what it felt like to be it you know, helpless. Yeah. It could, yeah. It could be the tone of someone's voice. It could be, yeah. You're like, you know, like they're going the through emotions something. in someone's face. It could be the way someone said something to me, yeah. even if it wasn't like they were, maybe they were just having a bad day, but they like directed one word or something to mm-hmm. me. Like that would just fucking set me off. So it's funny you talk about panic disorder. Cause I actually do have some notes about that Ooh, here okay. and it's not as common as you would think only what? about, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> It's only about two to three percent of adolescents and adults have um, panic disorder, and what? yes, yeah, it's not as prevalent as you think. But you know what? I think oh. that that has some more to do with like recurrent panic disorders because I feel like everyone's oh, ha- probably everyone had a one. panic attack at one point. Yeah. But what you're describing is a chronic series. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Every day I'm having one, and that's only two to three percent of people. And wow. their feelings, obviously, of being out of control, fearing death, oh, yeah. physical manifestations mm. such as pa- palpitations, yep. sweats, chills. Yep tingling, numbness, mm-hmm. chest pain, difficulty breathing, and nausea. It would feel like my heart was beating in my hands. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in my face. Like, I could feel it, like, in, like, my face felt like it was throbbing. And then I would just get, like, cold sweats and then tingly all over from the hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. And then because it was hyperventilating, I would get tunnel vision, start seeing, like, black spots. That's really bad. It says that, you know, and normally these only last, like, 15 to 30 minutes. Sometimes it can last for an hour. If I, if you try to pro- not try to prolong it. If you try to like hold it in for as long as possible, mm-hmm. that makes it last longer. Yeah. So now, you know, I've you learned to, to just feel let through it. it. Like, feel through like, it. If I'm having yeah. it in an office or something, I just like go to my car and sit in my car and let it happen. Or if I have it like, I don't know, out at a party, I leave the fucking party or I go to the bathroom and Absolutely. let it happen. Come back out. And I'm like, Fuck all right, party. like I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Which it has happened at many parties. So. I know. Sometimes I just want to go to the party, not because I'm having a panic attack, but just because I'm, I'm like, uh, I can't be around this many people. That's, that's, yeah, <laughs> I found a lot of triggers for, yeah. So, so I mean, and that, that's, you know, panic attacks are an anxiety disorder, which yeah. I feel like is a thing that a lot of people experience. Yeah. Um, it, it says here that women are actually 16% more likely than men to experience anxiety disorder over their lifetime. Go figure. Mm. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> and then there's the, 
<laughs> but you know, it, it's just that it's that fear of you know everything, that being constantly worried, tense, and it can be attributed to your nervous system trying to regulate itself. It can be a lot of different things, but usually there's some kind of traumatic experience or some kind of trauma that you've experienced in your life that just leads to this generalized anxiety disorder mm -hmm. or panic attacks later on. And um, I think it's actually really important to understand like the difference between trauma and stress. Yeah. Because the problem is that a lot of people think, oh, I'm traumatized, I'm traumatized, whatever, or I'm stressed. It's not an interchangeable term, actually. There's a very significant difference. So with stress, it's kind of like a temporary thing where you're kind of experiencing like, you know, oh. pressure. <laughs> Sorry. You're experiencing some pressure. Um, you're feeling like maybe at this point in time, you know, I'm having some difficulties and you're just trying to get yourself regulated, whatever it may be. When you're talking about actual trauma, we're talking about isolated incidents, isolated, you know, events that cause severe disruption yeah. to your life. Like literally, as we spoke before, you know, you have this very vivid memory. It's not that it's necessarily traumatic and negatively traumatic, no, but it's something some that is just stuck there. Exactly. And those things just, because you can say, okay, I'm in college. It's very stressful. And, you know, I'm having a very stressful time trying to get through my exams and graduate, whatever. But trauma is like I was sexually abused or mm. I was neglected by a parent or, you know. Or in a, like a very one-sided relationship. Maybe yes. it's very like emotionally taxing on you because yes. of whatever reason. And those things, those things can lead to the psychiatric disorders. And that's where we start talking about things that can manifest later on in life. And um, another thing I wanted to talk about pretty briefly was neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is something that has is being researched a lot more right now. And I think a lot of people talk about neuroplasticity in the sense of like um, trying to like increase your memory and try to increase like your, you know, ability to understand and comprehend things and memorize and read better. Okay. Like, you know, like those and games, you, oh, you know, yeah, like those yeah. games where you're like, oh, play this for 30 minutes. I actually and it's like a brain used to do that at work sometimes just to like, cause I would be doing mind numbing work all day. Mm -hmm. And then I had some coworkers that like do this for like five, 10 minutes, like here and there. Yeah. And it just helps your brain like wake up. Yeah. If not, you're just going to like, I started developing like dyslexia at work. It was not okay. <laughs> cause I had to like deal with a lot of numbers. We got to the point you're where like, I pulled I into the read. office and they're like, are you okay? Because you're getting everything like mixed up. I was like, I don't know. So listen to this. So listen, to that's so neuroplasticity, right? Neuroplasticity is the capacity for the nervous system to change its structure and function in response to different factors, whether it be biologic, psychological, or environmental events. So in that situation, you're in a stressful situation and your, your neuroplasticity was not good. No. It was like, I can't handle this right now. Yeah, it was So bad. a lot of what the pathology or the disease process behind mental illness is thought to be a result of when your body is not good. Your brain is not good at adjusting to these changes. Your neuroplasticity has decreased. Love that. So there's this regulation disrupting the integration of neural networks and plasticity. That's the real scientific term, the definition of that. Okay. But <laughs> Yes. So <laughs> I know. Good. I know. I like, I lost 15 uh, people from the, from the podcast <laughs> instantly. But like, basically, <laughs> basically what I'm just trying to say is that you're presented with a situation and for whatever reason, your nervous system is just not able to adjust. Yeah. 
it's not able to adapt. And that's what leads to these mental illnesses that later yeah. on come out as depression fun. or anxiety Super or whatever. So it's not your fault. Well, yeah, I mean, usually it's not it's your an, fault. It's a <laughs> lot of factors. I guess what I'm really trying to drive home here from the from the nursing and the medical perspective is that mental illness is something that it's largely it's out of your control. Out of your control. Yeah. So the more you understand, the more you accept it, the easier it is for you to get treatment. Once I realized, like, oh, there's a reason I feel a certain type of way about certain things, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like a weight lifted off your shoulder, or at least off my shoulders. Yeah. <clears throat> so like with the whole therapy thing. That's exactly what it was. I didn't I didn't need I mean I'm sure I could have done medication and I have before, but like I don't want to do it this time. I was like, if I can treat it just by talking to someone once a week, I'm gonna do that because that helps more in the long run, you know? So yeah, so actually I'm glad you brought that up because let's talk about treatment of these yes. disorders because there's a lot of disorders and there's a lot of different treatments. And in my my opinion, and I'm just gonna put this out right now, I think the best treatment is usually a com depending on the severity and the impairment that the mental illness causes you it's a combination of behavioral and psychotherapy and medication because there are certain things that like are literally just a lot of these things are just chemical imbalances you Mm -hmm. have in your body you know obviously triggered to many many different traumatic experiences or whatever factors but at the very biologic level, it's just a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can have the most amazing therapy sessions, the most amazing talks, the best support possible, but your body is just not taking this these chemicals. Yeah. They're not absorbing and, and producing things correctly, and you just need a little bit of a boost. So I think that's the best combination, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, it depends on, again, the severity. Because like yeah. I have some friends... Um, well, one in particular I'm thinking of, that she does both. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't do therapy nearly as often as I do, but she does it, you know, as like a like a checkup. Right. But then um, when she started on medication, she was like, mm, I don't like how I feel on this. I'm going to go back and ask if they can adjust it. So I was like, I didn't realize I didn't that was a re- thing. Yes. Which is why I got off the medication in the first place. When I That's like, always a bad time. idea to just stop it. I mean, so the first time I... I tried it twice. I just stopped cold turkey and my body was like, what are you doing? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> I'm so used to all the serotonin and we have none of it. Um, yeah, it was terrible. It's like so that Spongebob where everything's it. on fire yeah. in the brain. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? Where's his name? I don't know his name. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty much what happened. Um, so then I got back on it for like another couple months, maybe a few months. And then I was like, all right, let's try this again, little by little. Mm-hmm. So I was like, once a week, I'm not going to take it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, all right, twice a week, I'm not going to take it. So I just weaned myself off of it. Okay. And then little by That's little. That's not bad. It's better so I, than yeah. just going cold turkey. No, yeah. And it helped It it helped a lot. That was the way that I did it. And it helped so much. The first time around, I was like, I'm going to go jump, jump off a bridge if I continue <laughs> this way. So like, let's not do that. Um, no, 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 no. But I didn't realize that, first of all, boys don't really like, at least from my experience, boys don't really like going to the doctor for shit. Like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, something's wrong with me. It'll go away. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, ah, medication's not working. Let me just. I need a lot more to drink to hear this conversation. This is, this is truly pissing me off. Go ahead. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Tell me more about your traumas because that, that bothers me. Uh, it bothers me. I, so, you know, and then my friend, she was like, yeah, I'm just going to go and like see if either they can adjust it or give me a different medication. And I was like, I'm sorry that's a thing that you can do? She's like, 
yeah, what the fuck? I was like, oh, okay. You're like, I thought I just had to take everything or nothing. This is also one of my friends that, like, she goes to the doctor for anything. She's like, is that a new mole? You know what? She Dermatology. knows the hack. She, she's like, I, I need the this yeah. change and this change, I need please. The, yeah, she's like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I'm like, I just hope for the best. <laughs> you gave me something, and I hope it works, and if it doesn't, oh well. Yeah, so, but now she found, like, the perfect cocktail, or rather, Cop- they gave her. The perfect After a while, cocktail. they got the perfect cocktail. And she, like, does therapy, like, I think maybe, like, once every three weeks helps. and whatever. She's thriving. That's so fantastic. she's doing very well. It works for some. I am good where I'm at right now without the medication. Mine is not as severe, mm-hmm. nearly as severe as what it used to be. I attribute that to therapy, though. That's fabulous. Yeah. And you know what? Let's. You did some research, and I thought that that was just insanity. <laughs> but um, you looked up what the old treatments were I looked for up a mental few of the illnesses. Old ones, yeah. Please, let's talk about that. Okay, so what I found, I looked up the stuff that we already know about because from watching like what, like Asylum and like we just watched Ratchet. Yeah. I, oh, I just watched it. Did you watch it? No. Mm-mm. Very good. Highly recommend. Ryan Murphy, I think, the guy who does American Horror Story. Oh. He's the one who did Ratchet. Nice. Which is based off of One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson. Nicholson. Thank yeah. You. Oh, such a sad movie. At the end. Yes, but remember the crazy nurse ratchet? Yes, yes. Like, nurse that's ratchet. what it's. Yeah, I figured whole, that was what it was so about. good. It's so well done. All right. And so I was like, are these things real? Like some of the stuff that they used. Unfortunately, in the show, they are. It's fucking nuts. The between the, okay. So like one of the things was lobotomy, and in the show he was like, I'm gonna try to do something, and I'm calling it the lobotomy or whatever, and it's where they get an like a literal ice pick and a hammer and stick it right. Like oh at the God, at the center of your eye. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not the at center the of, your of your eye. Yeah, the corner of your eye, and just try to like hit a part of your skull. That or, effectively, I guess, yeah. That just it's supposed to, I guess, relax and like help you just makes you a vegetable. Not necessarily, because like what was supposed to happen mm-hmm. was that they can still you can still talk and stuff afterwards. You're just a lot calmer. Yeah, you have no emotion. You don't have you don't feel any of the pain anymore. Mm. However, in the procedures, some of them obviously were not as smooth as yeah, others. Precise. So they would have to keep hammering it in or whatever. Oh, My new tubular strapped down, not always sedated. When they started it, like, what are they going to do? Like, stick a fucking belt between your teeth Extremely and like, hope brute. for the best? Just a very brute. It was not good. Yeah. Um, there was electroshock therapy, which I know you did. You know about the current yes. electroshock therapy. For those who like, Tell us about the old don't stuff. know what it is, it's like, oh, someone's having a seizure. Let's strap them down and... They stick these electrodes to the side of your heads and not like the ones that they have for the EKG monitors mm-hmm. or anything. No, yeah. it's like they're like they're covered in like a like a cloth because mm-hmm. of <laughs> their conductors. You know, it's a fucking, yeah, they're so sticking electro- literally sticking you like a lightning rod. Yeah. And they're like, let's amp this bitch up and just zap See what her happens with fry her. nothing. And then I know now they have what they like actually have like a procedure. They currently yes. still do this. However, they it's have like anesthesiologists. Yes. They have a whole procedure. It's, it's a real thing. And it's called electroconvulsive therapy. Right. Yeah. So it was never called electroshock. That's like the, yeah, the chops name. version of it. Right. But it's called electroconvulsive therapy. And it's a procedure that electrically stimulates a generalized seizure. So it, it simulates a seizure in the brain. And apparently it's an effective treatment for severe depression. But it's extremely like very very carefully done again under general anesthesia exactly like you said Mm -hmm. it triggers a brief seizure and then apparently it causes some changes in the brain chemistry that can reverse certain mental health conditions typically severe depression but i mean it's not like a guaranteed thing like super curious about it like i don't know if i want to go through that but also like i'm slightly 
ever so slightly curious. But it, it, it's really just not, it's not always successful. Um, and it may not work on everybody. And honestly, like you, it still has some, some side effects. Like, I mean, before. Sure, it'll cure your depression, but. Are you like inept to complete a task now? No, like, no, would... it's definitely not what it is. I think the point of it is, is, is exactly what I was explaining before, where it's like a lot of the chemical reactions mm. in your body that aren't occurring are now being rewired through this electrical impulses. Yeah. But again, it's not like a, it's not like a for sure thing. And it's usually used after all other therapies have been exhausted and nothing is working. Well, that's nice. Cause they, that's not what it used to be. They're just like, ah, they are seizing. We can't control them. Let's just zap them. And they calm down, obviously, because they just have electrical. I mean, it's the, electricity just going through your whole body. One of the biggest side so. effects is possibly memory loss. So, like, if, I mean, that's, if you're okay with losing some of your right. memory, then it's fine. But, uh, but, um, but it's there. But it's completely different now. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Again, it's not like. And they a, even in the Mayo Clinic, when I was reading the article about it, they're like, "There's a lot of stigma behind this. Like in the past, we didn't use anesthesia." It was very like brutal. Yeah. Now it's not like that. It's crazy to think that like this wasn't that long ago that these medical procedures were being done. It's like the 70s. I don't know about the 70s. I really hope it wasn't in the 70s, but definitely the 50s and 40s for sure. You're probably right. I don't know. I I, I, I really pray (laughs) that in the the 70s they weren't doing this. Oh yeah, crazy shit in the 70s for sure, for sure. But I really hope they weren't shocking people back then. Like, who knows? The 70s were a wild time. No, maybe not. Ignore me. It wasn't the 70s. The 70s were a wild time, though. Trepanation. Oh, God. You explained this to me briefly, and it's <laughs> horrifying, guys. Please remove... don't Google it unless you want to actually have nightmares. I'll tell you a little, a little, just a little snippet. They remove parts of your skull. Just like little baby parts of your skull. Oh, yeah. Just, I, didn't need, I didn't need those. They were just accessories. It's supposed to, like, <laughs> pretty much, this is obviously Relief not the medical term for it, but to, like, let out some air, you know, from your brain to, so that... The, Hopefully the impression will leave. I'm so from sorry, it. but like that's but the, the most tools ridiculous that they thing. use, like a fucking corkscrew in your head. Opening up a bottle of a wine. Saw like yeah, just open up a bottle of wine on your temple. It's yeah. Just uh, let it out. It reminds me of okay, so you remember, I don't know if you have ever read about this stuff before, but like as in the medical field, I like to read about like how previous stuff was done. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, there was this idea and this concept. And I'm talking about like literally like in the Renaissance, like not like uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. No, I'm talking about like 400, 500 years ago there was this concept that like in the body there were these certain things called humors so yes. like whenever you were ill there was a disbalance of humors so they would do different things like bloodletting they would put leeches on you that was my next you. one yes okay bloodletting and purging that's exactly what it Jesus. is they just well, to bring balance back into your body literally it started apparently in ancient greek yes medicine yes and of course i'm sure it was yeah and then you're just like well we're just gonna keep doing this the greeks said it why can't we exactly and you know that it's I think it was you who was telling me that it's still like used in certain like cultures. Yeah, and cu- some cultures, yes, and some cultures. It's like a purging, like, absolutely. Of the, the leeches, of the spirit, and the whatever. The leeches yeah. thing is for some reason people will die on that hill that the leeches will somehow help you. I'm not sure how, but was also used in Ratchet. There was a woman who was like didn't believe in like Western medicine or, and wanted to just and she couldn't afford to like go to a hospital, so she's just like behind the counter. Turns around, she's got leeches all over her. She's like, it's for my arthritis. That is "Eh." horrific. (laughs) Um, Okay, lady, whatever. But it was, you know, blood letting. It was vomiting. Just like to to get rid of all the the bad shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Get the devil out of you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was supposed to help with like possessions too. Like that. Same with 
it'll uh, kill you. So yeah, there's definitely everything's leaving. The trepanation about the the skull mm-hmm. pieces of the skull was also supposed to help with demonic possession. Oh, All that jazz. Water treatments, the where they would like strap someone in the bath. Well, they wouldn't strap. They'd like close up the bathtub. I think I saw something about this on, on a show once. Where it was like literally oh, yeah. a tub and like a steel kind of yes, cover on top, and you can't a, leave. Yeah, you can't. But you're locked in. Um, and they have it for both heat and for ice. So they would start it with the heat treatments, and they would put it up to like however many degrees, like ninety degrees. And then the next day that you go in, they'll do it like hundred degrees. The next day, mm-hmm. hundred and five. The next day, they would just keep going up, and then they would see results and people would start like Dying. being less and less uh, depressed or less and less manic or whatever. And it's like, oh, their body's trying to fucking survive. Yeah. As at this point. Boiled alive. Ch- yeah. Um, so then they would, once they were, they would be done with the heat mm-hmm. part <laughs> portion of the bathing, I guess mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, um, they would stick them in ice Water baths. therapy, hydrotherapy, Just ice baths. Oh, there's also like, they would, um, with like a fire hose. Nice. Just hose them have down. Have you ever been, side note, have you ever been thrown in a cold shower when you're behaving badly? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so therefore. Like, oh, our- we're not going to hit you. Come over here. Get cold in the shower, shower bitch. <laughs> yep. Cold shower. Soap in the mouth. If I it really yeah. did wake you up, though. My parents are great. It only happened a couple of times. Yeah. It was mostly my grandparents. Maybe we'll there. edit this out. This might be on the cutting room. <laughs> But no, honestly, it's just, it's a cultural thing. Like, it, it, it really yeah, wasn't yeah. that bad, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, they threw, they, they threw like chancletas at us. Yeah, uh, yeah. And stuff. My mom used to be like a terrible aim. I was the first kid. So my mom would throw sandals at us. I, it wouldn't really hit. Maybe it hit my, my leg or yeah, something. She, just she like, got really good, though, where it started hitting us, like, back beelining of <laughs> for our face or the back of our head or something. Yeah. So she's like, I can't throw anything anymore. Because she would throw something closest to her. Yeah. Like a remote. A shoe, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Porta de bien. Yeah, it was just always like headshots. So yes. she's like, I can't throw anything anymore because I'll go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it was effective when she did. Do it. it was effective. Yeah, I was a pretty, I was a pretty obedient child. Honestly, me too. I really didn't give my parents a hard time at all. The last thing I had was hypnosis, um, which people still use today as well. People still use today. It's I've heard that it is effective sometimes, not all the times. Would you be hypnotized? Would you? I would love to try it. Um, I would watch someone get hypnotized and then see how they do. I would want someone there with me yeah. to make sure that they're not making you like, do it's weird not things. Some malicious, like yeah. weird, sick doctor. That, when like, I snap my fingers, you take off your clothes. Yeah, I don't need that. Happening. <laughs> so I'm like, if you want to stay there with me, unless like somehow it works, like um, we're both hypnotized. <laughs> now we're all hypnotized. <laughs> shit. Now we're all gonna take off our clothes. Like, nope. He's don't like, I didn't that. want you. Just that one. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was supposed to help treat like depression and schizophrenia, yeah. whatever. I don't really know how well it did with schizophrenia, but uh, don't think it that was that's supposed- how that works. But yeah, <laughs> it's hy- hypnosis it used to be just like a magic and like things of witches and I don't know what else. So, mm-hmm. and then of course doctors were like, actually no, this is like something that could possibly help people. So they started yeah. learning. They did it more in a scientific way as exactly. opposed to kind of like a spiritual way, which also. I keep referencing back to Ratchet because I just watched it and it's like all about like mental health patients. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it worked on one of his patients on the show, um, but he tried doing it on like one of his nurses and like it didn't work, but it worked for his patient who was, she had multiple personality disorder. Oh, wow. And it worked for her to suppress the other disorders because her thing was that she was, um, the personalities were there to protect her. Okay. So 
he had to convince her that she was safe mm-hmm. through the hypnosis mm-hmm. and then it was fine but then something triggered her later and then they came back that up. didn't but, work yeah okay. but like it, it temporarily yeah, it did it helped until she was triggered and maybe again. continuous hypnosis and therapy and it's really just finding your cocktail and it doesn't have That's to be a medical thing. cocktail like a you know actual medication it can be therapy it can yeah. be hypnosis stuff it can be even like physical therapy or just working out or doing things that can make you feel better in whichever like healthy outlet that you have working out was my therapy for a good year and a half before i like came down i love working out yeah i did like six days a week in orlando then i moved down i was like all right i'm not gonna have like my my base of my people anymore than i i had to like help motivate me when mm-hmm. I was up there. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to therapy at least. You know, right now <laughs> I'm in nursing school and I'm also working full time. We're doing this podcast. I have And a... you're working out pretty regularly. Exactly. I need an outlet. Mm. I don't go to therapy. Um, yeah. I talk to my friends, which honestly I should probably go to therapy because there's a lot of stuff that I need to unpack. That's something that's on my to-do list and I'm really a hypocrite for not doing it yet, but it's something that I really want to do. In your own time. I think it's the one I'm ready for. I'm yeah, gonna it's go when for you're ready it. for it. And when I, you, when I you're ready at that point, you're like, you know what? I'm ready to start talking to somebody. Yeah. Go for it. And I think, I think I'm getting there, honestly. Okay. For now, the stuff that I've been doing that has really been helping me is working out. And it sounds super like cheesy no, to no, no, say. No, no, no. It helps so much. But I, I went have... because I was so anxious and I was so angry. And you have an outlet. I'm so angry. It gives it me an hour uh, or an hour and a half of time for myself. Me. I'm working on just myself. And you don't think about anything else. No, just what exercise am I going to do next? Oh, I'm looking pretty good. Dang, this is hard. This feels really good. And you're just like, when you leave it, you're like, I accomplished something so great. Mm -hmm. I feel so good about myself. I'm improving myself physically and emotionally. And it's something that just... And it's like a side factor. I don't know about with you, but at least with me, when I was working out, I like wanted to eat better too like yes. so it was like you want to take care of yourself yeah like it was just like i'm working out okay like let me go home and cook for myself i felt yep. so accomplished you like, want ah, to take yes, care of little things but it helps and then obviously mm-hmm. that diet also helps your mental health yeah a lot of the time oh, with my thing yeah. i have like all these stomach issues yeah but that's a part of taking my, care of yourself because yeah. you have your anxiety and your issues that kind of feed into and there's a, yeah. there's a correlation oh, yeah. between yeah. they're connected GI and mental and mm-hmm. your actual mental health. So yep. the more stressed out you are, the worse your stomach issues you're going to get. Yep. Yep. But yep. the more time you take to care about your diet and care about yourself, things kind of just naturally, you stop having that fight or flight response yes. to everything. Once you start getting more comfortable and you're no longer, because that's what really anxiety is, yeah. is that, that suppressed response you have. We've adapted and evolved over hundreds of thousands of years to you know have that anxiety response in stressful situations and obviously now we're not fighting off wild animals obviously not. we're dealing with the rat race or whatever it yeah. is but those... rat race and peanut gallery exactly <laughs> but those are still things that trigger that response that yeah evolutionary response we have and they manifest in different ways and the more you can learn to self-soothe the more you can learn to find your triggers and the more you can learn to take care of yourself the more you can kind of just say hey i don't need to have that it's not a dire moment i'm not gonna have a panic attack right now i'm okay i'm i'm taking care of myself i'm fine learning how to say no to oh god that's so helpful it helps so much it's like hey i'm having a today isn't a good example of why i should have said (laughs) no to somebody at some point today But I didn't. And what happened? I called you and I was screaming. She's like, I need, she calls me and she goes, I need to vent. And I was like, aren't you going to be here in like 10 minutes? And she's like, I can't wait that long. I can't wait that long. (laughs) I need to scream right now. 
<laughs> and it was a combination of crying and laughing at the same time. And I was screaming. just laughing hysterically and like crying. It made me feel better though. I loved hearing somebody laugh at me. So I was like, <laughs> yes, thank you. I know this is ridiculous, but like, and you're like, I screamed at one point. You're like, I've never heard your voice go that high. It before. went so high. I've never heard that pitch come out of you before. You're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not okay. But I went, I literally almost broke the glass in my car. <laughs> Because I just had it. I had just had it. But that was an example of me not saying no and not taking yeah. care of myself. And what's the lesson to be learned about that? That sometimes you got to say no. Yes. It's it's really hard to do for some people. It's hard to do for a lot of people. But once you can just, just start saying no, it's like, oh, you know what? I'm not really feeling like I want to do don't that. Feel guilty I don't feel about like it. that will benefit my mental health today. Just fucking say no. There's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. So all in all, I guess to bring this to a conclusion Mental health is much more important than people let on. It's something mm. that there are a lot of mental illnesses out there and a lot of people with a lot of prevalence of mental illnesses that you don't realize. And it's nothing to be ashamed about. Not at all. It's very, very common. What the most important thing is to try to seek your form of therapy, whatever form it is, whatever makes you yeah. feel better. It doesn't have to be like go to like a therapist, even though exactly. I say I'll I, probably going to say it every episode, go to therapy, whatever. But like, but it doesn't have doesn't to be have that. To be. If that's not your situation, it can be many, many different things. Your, you define what your therapy is. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we just want you to be happy. We care about you. People love you. They want you to be the best version of yourself possible. Exactly. And the only way you can do it is if you take care of yourself, identify the things that make what you does upset. RuPaul say? If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love, love somebody anybody else? else. Yeah. Exactly. How are you going to be able to give and love anybody if you can't take care of, number one, you're living in your own body. This is the person that you have to take care of. This is who you're going to be with for the rest of your life no matter what. There's mm -hmm. no breaking up with you. Yep. <laughs> you're stuck. That's it. So the sooner you get acceptance of it and the sooner you try to find your best ways to make yourself feel happy and feel complete and feel good, the better off you're going to be. Exactly. So, embrace whatever it Cheers is that you have that. absolutely take care of yourself guys we love you we care about you and thank you for listening bye, bye.